0: was too Marty.
1: This
2: feels weird. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't get the memo.
0: Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning to worship with us. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll have our uh, welcoming time this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, just for the opportunity to be here uh, today, Lord, to to lift our voices. You are holy, and, and lift our voices in song to you to worship you by giving and by the preaching and teaching of your word today, God. And so I thank you, Lord, just for our corporate time, that we can come together, uh, Lord, with one another and and just bless our time today. Be it the kids as they leave for camp today. I know they're going to have a great week, and so be with them. And in all things, God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone. Thank you guys. You may be seated this morning. So I'll start off with this. Uh, we take discipleship very, very serious here. In Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Uh, so here's the thing: we it's not just about when somebody makes a profession of faith in Christ. That is the most important part, right? That they're saved. But we have a responsibility as the church now. To disciple people, to teach them. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? So we have a 14-lesson a discipleship a book that takes a long time to go through. Uh, and so when people complete that, when we disciple others, we have, uh, we have a little saying. We like, to, we like to know who is your Paul and who's your Timothy. So who's discipling you and who are you discipling? So when someone completes discipleship, it's a big thing. So Max Hartman, would you come on up here? Max just completed... Uh, he's the discipler, and he has a disciplee, so I'm going to let you handle this, Max. Is he here? He's hiding out in the media booth right now. <laughs> Billy, come on down.
3: <laughs> I had the pleasure of discipling Billy, and we hit it off from the get-go. And uh, we stretched a 14-week session into almost a year, (laughs) but we covered it thoroughly. That's that's what our theory was. We were going to get through it and cover it thoroughly. And it was truly an iron sharpens iron. I I was blessed by it, and I hope he was too. And for me, uh, the feeling of having a spiritual conversations, and he had good questions, and we had good conversations, which I'm not as comfortable as our pastor is at those. And but it really helped me to be able to have those spiritual conversations, and it was just a joy and a pleasure to do, and I have a friend, and I'm, I think this is gonna be the beginning of a, this guy has a heart of compassion and kindness and gentleness, and he's a servant at heart, and I think it's the beginning of a long life of Christ following, and, and also a dad to a beautiful little girl, so I'm, I'm excited about it for you, Billy, and here we go. Somebody's taking a picture.
0: <laughs> and do you want to say anything? Uh,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: If you haven't done discipleship, I really encourage you. Uh, it's, it's definitely uh, a bonding moment between you and another person and have accountability and a lifelong mentor.
3: Awesome. And then you got some more awards that Mike's going to give to you. All right. First of all, I want to thank Crossbridge Baptist Church for uh, what they mean to Freeway Ministries and how they pour into the guys here. And they truly are, uh, they truly bridge, this church has bridged the gap between uh, uh, how these guys make it through. Uh, So this church means the world. And I want to give this certificate to Billy for... Uh, completing the one-year discipleship program, which is not an easy thing to do. He also has a season four exiting strategy and a season three on relationships.
0: We've right. got tons of rewards. <laughs> I love you.
3: Love you too. You want no, thanks.
0: All right. Thank All right. You. Now hold on, Billy. You can't leave yet. We're not done. Alright, so here's the thing. This guy, Max, Max went through discipleship, and he had a lot of questions, and for, and, and I know we're, we'll have you come up at the end of the service, and he'll come up here where you can congratulate him, but he had one major theological question that was kind of a hang-up, right, and it was like, I, I, he was struggling with, is Jesus God, which is a foundational Christian doctrine, right, I mean, we have to, in order to be saved, you have to believe that Jesus is God in flesh, uh, and we believe in the Trinity, and he struggled with that. Well, uh, and we've answered questions, and Max answered questions, and we've answered questions, and he's read and studied and, and dug. And uh, so Wednesday night, um, he said, "I need to talk to you." And Wednesday night, he came up, and we and I met with him, and he said, "Look, I, I have uh, I've see where Scripture talks about this. I believe in this. I believe Jesus is God. I believe He died for me. I'm ready to tell everybody that, and I want to be baptized." So. He is on our list to be baptized at the end of the month, right? Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's a huge thing making a public profession of faith uh, in Jesus, and that's what you're doing, isn't it? Yes, that's right, okay. All right, Billy, thank you, uh, and, and you'll give, get an opportunity at the end of service, guys, to come around and congratulate him on that. Uh, on that. So, men's Bible study tonight. We have a video uh, over the next men's Bible study at 6 p.m. It's on the whole armor of God. Uh, here's a promotional video on it. Um, I think, guys, you have that? No? Should I keep going? Keep going on other stuff and come back to it? Okay, we'll come back to the promotional video, but it's on the whole armor of God, uh, the studies by David Jeremiah. We have men's Bible study on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. We also have discipleship at 4.30 uh, on Sunday afternoons here at the church, so if, if you... Uh, I know they're quite a ways through it, but if you want to jump into that. Next Saturday is men's prayer breakfast at 8 a.m. at Grillo's. So I won't be there, but we will have men's prayer breakfast next Saturday, so come for that. Uh, Wednesday, July 20th, we're having another prayer night. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember what we do on Wednesday nights. We come together and we, we list off all of prayer requests, any prayer requests you got, and then we divide up into a group and we pray uh, over those prayer requests into small groups, and at the end we have one big prayer time where we circle up together. So it's a great time. If you've never been to a, a one of our Wednesday night prayer uh, nights, it's July 20th. The prayer night is uh, July 20th. Also, we got an outreach coming up Saturday, July 30th, from 3 to 6 p.m. It's going to be at Rotary Park. So, if you would like to sign up to help with that outreach, uh, please definitely uh, let us know. Also, want to thank somebody. The church has been decorated a lot. Katie is uh, really appreciate you coming and decorating uh, the church. It was decorated for the fourth, and she's already got stuff out for today. So, thank you on that. Uh, anything else? Women's retreat is all that. You got anything on that? You're good. Sign-ups are done. Wednesday morning at Grillo's 8:30 women's breakfast. Wednesday morning 8:30 at Grillo's women uh, are meeting for breakfast. So, got a lot going on. Ready for the video, Dave? Here's a promotional video on men's
1: Bible study. To elaborate pieces of armor to protect every part of the soldier in every situation. So believers in Christ need to take up the elaborate armor of God to protect against every strategy and tactic of Satan. Paul's instruction to his readers hold true for us today. I mean, we need to be ready to stand against all attacks. But how do we do this in a practical way? What does it actually mean to equip each piece of spiritual armor that God provides? This is what we will be discussing during the next six weeks, as we walk through Paul's words in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And as we do, it is my hope you will discover that God has given you everything you need to recognize your enemy, defend against his schemes, and even go on the offense against him. For the truth is that with God on your side and by equipping the armor he has provided, you can overcome any attack of the enemy.
0: All right, spiritual warfare is absolutely... Real. It is a real thing, it's happening all over our country So, fellas, come uh, You're the spiritual leaders of your home If you want to know how to protect them It's, it's going to be a great, great study Anything else uh, on announcements this morning? Okay, if you would stand this morning Let's take up our morning offering And enter our time of worship together Let's bless that morning offering We'll pray together Lord Jesus, I thank you again for the opportunity to be here uh, This morning, Lord, to worship you And uh, Lord, as we take up this uh, offering this morning lord i pray that you use it to further your kingdom use it to fund our missionaries that around the world uh lord and at home and our ministries here and uh, lord so bless us this morning as we worship you and in all things we love you we thank you lord for the ability to give to you uh god and there's many people around the world that just don't have it like we do and so we are blessed and so lord in all things we love you and i thank you in your name i pray Amen. amen Capo, this one, Martin. My mind went blank and I didn't put a note on there.
1: Two? That's what I was figuring.
0: Capo, two drummer. Oh, we don't have <laughs> one
2: <that's yet. laughs> How great.
1: kids can be seated
0: Thank you guys. Uh, kids can go downstairs to our children's department this morning if they like to with miss sierra if you want to keep your kids in here you can do that too i don't mind babies screaming and crying and hollering and all that good stuff it's all good with me first john chapter four i told you guys we'd get back into first john uh it has just been a little bit <laughs> since we've been in first john and there's sometimes i just uh I get sidetracked. I like preaching through books. It's important to do that so we can't leave anything out. We get the whole counsel of God's Word. But at the same time, whenever things arise like Roe v. Wade and and, uh, Independence Day, and there's some times we need to talk about other things too, and so that's okay. We can do that. Uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Today's message is about God is love. God is love, very misquoted. Very misquoted. This is a foundational truth about who God is, that God is love. But we better keep it in the right context, and we need to understand it. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, as we're going through uh, the books together. And also on Wednesday nights, I didn't bring this up, but if you, if on Wednesday nights, we have services every Wednesday night. Uh, at 6 o'clock, we eat dinner with one another. We have cooking teams that cook a big meal, and so it's uh, awesome. Come on Wednesday night, bring your family at 6 o'clock. We have a women's Bible study. We have an adult class upstairs, a study. And then we have kids and youth classes also on Wednesday night. Uh, So come see us on Wednesday night. 1 John 4, uh, 7 through 10, it says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love... The God God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's pray together again. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to share the truth of your word. And Lord, that you are love. And I pray this morning that. If, there are in, if there's anyone here listening online or here with us today that has never experienced your love, your forgiving uh, sal- salvation in you, that is love. And, and our Lord, I pray this morning that they would do that, that they would understand that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Uh, God, there's so many misunderstandings, and this is so misquoted about this characteristic of you. Lord, today I pray that we bring clarity to it, that we don't misquote it, but we understand it. Uh, and, Lord, because we understand it, we understand you better. And in all things, Lord, I love you, and I thank you. In your name, I pray. Amen. So there's so much to learn and apply in our life about God's love, uh, and so let's jump into this together. And, and there's a, a, a in these verses, it says a foundational truth that it says God is love. In verses seven and eight, so it begs the question: What is love? And I and I don't think there's a better description than what the Bible gives about love. And it's found, I'm going to have you turn immediately uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is one of these uh, sets of verses that people read at weddings or uh, just when talking about love and what is love, what does it mean to love. 1 Corinthians 13, I want to read to you verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. or it, is, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, It will pass away. So love never ends. And what did we say? God is love. So in this love, God doesn't force this upon anyone. He doesn't force his love upon anyone. Those who come to him do so in response to his love. In this love, God allows everyone to experience the good things of God in creation, in taking a breath. I think of traveling out west, and I think of going to the Rocky Mountains, or driving. We're going to be gone the next couple weeks. We're going to be in Florida, driving on the beach in Florida. You see God's creation, and he allows everybody. I'm going to mention this a little bit, but he allows everybody to experience those great things of his creation. Whether you're lost or whether you're one of his children, he allows all of us to do that. In that God is love, Jesus showed that love. He went around showing kindness and doing good to everybody without partiality. He showed the same love and kindness to everybody that he inter- interacted with. Here's the example of that. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 17. I want to give you a good, good biblical illustration of how Jesus handled people, whether they believed in him or not. Luke 17: 11 through 19. 11 through 19. Luke 17. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now I want you to think about this. I want want to break this down real quick. Jesus, didn't he heal all ten lepers? Yes, he did. He healed all of them. Did Jesus know before He had healed them that only one would return to worship Him and thank him, to worship Him as God? Yes, He did. Jesus knew everything. He knew what was going to happen, yet he still cleansed all 10. He still, He still did that. What it, it, Jesus mentions, the one that returned was who? A Samaritan. Who were the Samaritans to the Jews? They were enemies. They hated one another. They were enemies. Jesus knew all of those things, but yet he still cleansed all ten of them. Listen, Jesus' love doesn't look at the things of the world that the the things of the world that says the world says are important. He doesn't look at those things like money and fame and power and social standing. Jesus didn't care about any of that. He didn't care about political status or any of that. He showed kindness and love to everybody without partiality. Whether they were going to acknowledge him or not. He just loved people. Now listen, that can be misunderstood and we're going to get to that. But that should be our example. That whether somebody is a brother or sister in Christ or they're an atheist, how we interact with them should be showing them love. We should love people. Jesus didn't covet what others had. Also, he lived a humble life without complaining. In love, Jesus could have bragged about who he was. He was, the, he was God. He was the creator of everything. He, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He, didn't, he could have overpowered everybody. I've mentioned this before, that when they're taking Jesus to the cross, he could have called down legions of angels to wipe out everybody. But yet, why didn't he do that? Because he loves us. The only reason, because he loves us. Now, I want to do a contrast here. In contrast to that, this is how religious leaders of the day treated people. Turn to Matthew 23, 1 through 7. And this is an example for the church to follow, for our elders to follow, and for you to follow. Matthew 23, 1 through 7. We we saw how Jesus treated people who hated him... And rejected him and didn't worship him. Now let's look at this. Matthew 23, 1 through 7. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sat on Moses' seat. So they do and observe, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay on them on, uh, excuse me, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their fallacies broad and their fringes long. and they love the place of honor at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. The, the religious leaders at Jesus' time loved to be held in high honor. They loved to have attention, and they would make their fringes long and their tassels long. Kind of like if you ever go to a graduation. You, you see people are honored at graduations by, and I didn't have one of these at graduations, but Sierra did. Sierra had stuff on that she wore that showed like she was a 4.0, and she is a member of National Honor Society. Well, that's kind of, she earned those things, but that's kind of what they would do. They would make sure... That everybody knew that they were in charge. It was kind of like me wearing a, wearing a big badge on my chest saying Pastor Jeff or our elders wearing, you know, we're the elders of the church or something like that, right? That's not how, uh, what Jesus did. He didn't come for people to give attention to him and be pawned over. How did, what did Jesus do? He came as a humble servant who loved people. And that should be an example for the church. It should be an example for our elders, our deacons. We should be humble servants. Not that we're in a place that for the body to wait on us hand and foot. So some of the things that I try to teach future leaders, right? We should eat last. Put others before ourselves. Make sure that people are taken care of. We should have, if we have an attitude of wanting to be served and be taken care of, it's a disqualifying trait. Jesus is the example. That's love. His love, he served others. Because of we're followers of Jesus, our love should look like Jesus's love. The, the greatest expression of love that Jesus did is in our verses today. It's found in 9 and 10, where it says, In this love, God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love... Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Guys, that's love. That's perfect love. John also says it like this in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for us. He loved us while we were rejecting him, while we hated him, while we were living in our sin. He didn't say, hey, make yourself look really good. Read your Bible. Do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to love you. That's not what he did. And that's not what he did with these 10 lepers. He showed his love for all of them. He cleansed all of them, even though the other nine weren't going to return and worship him. I love the reminder that he gives us. In those verses. That we didn't love God. Not that I have loved God is what it says. That is a reminder that we aren't deserving of it. We aren't deserving of God's love. In fact, what we deserve is death. We deserve punishment. But he gave us life. He gave us love. That's an amazing truth. That's an amazing truth. Here's the second thing I want to cover today in these verses. To make sure we understand the perfect love that he is the propitiation for our sins in 1 John 4:10. Propitiation carries this basic idea of appeasement or or a satisfaction towards God. It's a two-part act really that that what it involves is appeasing the wrath of the offended person and being reconciled to him. So because who's the offended person? God. And how have we offended him? Because we've sinned. Because we've lied, we've stolen, We've committed adultery or committed adultery with our eyes. We're sinners, and we have offended God because of our sin. In fact, until until we recognize that we have offended God because of our sin, we don't have a need for a Savior. That's the first part of sharing the gospel with somebody, sharing the truth with them. Until they understand that their sin has violated a holy God, they have no reason to be saved. They have nothing to be saved from. So our sin has offended somebody. It's offended God. And we have to be reconciled to him. Now, we can try to be reconciled by our own efforts. You can try to be good enough, but we're never going to be good enough. It doesn't matter how long you live as trying to obey the law, you're still going to break it. And if you've broken it one time, you deserve a punishment. The Bible makes it very clear. Listen, this is where people get it wrong about God's love. The Bible makes it very clear that we are under the wrath of God because of our sin. He makes that very clear. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So God's wrath is abiding on us because of our sin. It's abiding on us. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So because we've sinned and violated a holy God, we need a savior. We need somebody to reconcile us. That's Jesus. That's perfect love. Let me try to summarize this. Everyone deserves his wrath and punishments. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell. But God in his love and his mercy and his grace has provided us a way for his wrath to be appeased. And that we can be reconciled to him. That's what the verses are saying. That's through the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for our sins. It's only because of his death and his resurrection that a lost sinner deserving of hell can be reconciled to a holy God and receive heaven. Those who reject the Savior, those who reject the Savior have no hope of salvation. But the Bible says their hope is an expectation of judgments. Romans 2, 5 says, because of your hard and empty hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So people that are lost and don't know have don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, you know what's piling up in their bank account? Judgment and sin and God's wrath. And here's the amazing thing, though. Here's the gospel. When you put your faith and trust that Jesus paid for that, in his bank account is perfect righteousness. In your bank account is a whole bunch of evil and sin. They switch. You receive Jesus' perfect righteousness in your account. Jesus gets your sin that he paid for on the cross. So when God looks at us, when he looks at you brothers and sisters, if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he doesn't see a rotten, low-life sinner. He sees his son Jesus. That's how you can go to heaven because the fine's been paid. That's the gospel. Listen to me. That's perfect love. That is love. Those who reject the Savior don't have a hope. There's no hope. I cannot explain any greater act of God's love than pointing you to the cross. That's it. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's ultimate love, that God was willing to lay down his life for us. I've said this before to you all, and as parents, we understand. I'm going to say it again. I said, I think you said in discipleship this week or last week with Johnny and Bobby and Rick and Aaliyah. I said, look, I, I love this church. I love you all. You're my brothers and sisters. But there is no way that I'm sending one of my kids to die for you. I'm sorry. That's exactly what God did, though. Now, you as parents, fathom that. Would you send one of your kids to die for somebody? No way. No way. We don't know perfect love, though. God does. He's the example. Now, here's the third thing on this. I'm not going to rattle on too long today. This is also very misunderstood in our society. God's love is extremely misunderstood. Love is an attribute of God. Love is to the core. It's a core aspect of his character, as I've just laid out. But God's love is in no sense in conflict also with his holiness or his righteousness or his justice or his wrath. All of the attributes of God work together in perfect harmony. But our society... You know what I'm about ready to say because you've heard it. Our society would love to proclaim and misrepresent the love of Christ. They say things like this. God loves everyone the same regardless of what they believe. A loving God would never tell someone who they can love. And they will misrepresent God's love to fit into how they want to live their life. And what they're doing is putting God's attribute of love into a higher place than his wrath. So it brings up a question that I guarantee you, you've had to answer. Or if you haven't answered it, you haven't had enough conversations with lost people yet. Does God love everyone or just Christians? That's a question mark here. It's a loaded question. That is a loaded question. There's a sense. I want to say that God loves everyone in the world. Jesus says that in Matthew five forty five, He says, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So there's a sense that God loves everybody. He loves everybody in the whole world. That they get to enjoy his creation. That, they, that we get to go to the mountains and go to the beach, and we receive rain on our crops, just like the unjust would. That He makes the sun rise to them. That's what Jesus says. Everybody gets to enjoy his creation. We all get to enjoy the goodness of God on earth. That is love. That is love. He shows merciful love that he doesn't destroy everybody. The minute we sin, would would we be deserving of being destroyed the minute that we sin? Yes, we would. And that would be just of him to do that. He loves us so much he doesn't do that. What does he say? He also says that he loves us so much in a merciful love that he gives people the opportunity to repent. That's 2 Peter 3.9. It says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what is he doing? He's being patient on coming back for the sake of people being saved. He's being patient with us. He's being patient. Listen, what that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved. It doesn't mean that. Because God's not going to ignore sin. Because He is a God of justice also. If God just allowed sin to wreak havoc in creation forever, then He would not be a God of love. So He deals with that too. So we can't just say, oh yeah. So what God doesn't do... And what we can't do is love people into hell. That would be unloving. So every time that God interacted with someone, every time that he interacted with someone lost in sin, what did he do? How did he approach them? In love. He approached them in love. And what did he always say? Here's where it ties in. What I don't do, and what we can never do as a church, is stand on a street corner and scream at everybody walking by that they're going to hell. For one, that's not effective. And number two, it's a lie. Because you don't know who's walking by you, whether you're, they're your brother or sister or not. You're not having conversations. So we can't do that. That's, and Jesus didn't do that. What did he do? Well, here's some examples. In John 5, he heals a man at the pool on the Sabbath. And what does he say? He says this in verse 15. He says, see you are well. Sin no more. He says, go and sin no more. He tells the woman caught in adultery in in John 8, 3 through 11. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, what what is he talking about? When he says, go and sin no more, what's he talking about? He isn't speaking about sinless perfection. He's not saying that they're going to leave there that day and never sin again. Can we do that? Is that possible? No way. I can't make it through a day, let alone a week or a month, without doing something that offends God because of my sin. Thankfully, God forgives me on the cross when I I believed in him for those sins, past, present, and future. But what does Jesus say? He says, go and sin no more. He was warning against a return to a sinful lifestyle or a sinful way of life, and choosing to do wrong. He's telling them, stop living the way you've been living, and go and sin no more. When, he, when, he, when the, this expectation of his, with the woman at the well, is what, I know that you've had five husbands, and you're not married to any of them. He's t- calling out her lifestyle. So what does, he, what does he say? When you've been saved, when you believe on me, your life, what, changes? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. So when you hear someone say, oh, well, God just, you can live however you want to live and God's love covers you. No, no, no. That is just squandering the grace and mercy of God. With the forgiveness of God comes the expectation that we're not going to continue in the same path of rebelliousness. Jesus said, those who love me will keep my commandments. So if we love him and we're followers of his, we're going to want to obey him. Does that mean we always obey him? No, that's why we repent and we turn. When you hear someone say, God is a loving God. He wouldn't punish me for my sin. Or he wouldn't tell someone how to live their life because he's a loving God. You know what they're doing? They're breaking the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20 where he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods besides me. They're making up a false god to worship that's okay with their sin. Well, God's not going to punish me for how I want to live my life because God is love. They don't know the God of the Bible. God is love. He's he so much love that he died. One of the songs was about freedom this morning, right? I talked about freedom last week. He died so we can be free from sin so we don't have to live in it anymore. Not so we just keep going back to it. He died to give us freedom from sin. So if somebody says, oh, yeah, I mean, my, my God doesn't punish people. The God that I know, he would never tell someone how to live their life or who to love. They don't know the God of the Bible. They're lost, so share the gospel with them. Because they don't know the God of the Bible. They're worshiping a false God. God's love for people doesn't excuse away their sin. He doesn't excuse it away. God's love for people makes a way for them to be forgiven of their sin and have a new life in him. So when we start talking about God's love, we better make sure we're sharing it the right way. Is God love? Yes. Yes. So much that he went and died for us so we can be free. Not so we can be remain in sin and bondage. So we can be free. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning as we close. Listen, here's the thing on this. I love one of the verses I read this morning. Is that He said he's being patient. And merciful God is merciful and loving he's patient he doesn't want anybody to perish he doesn't want anyone to perish so have you believed my question is have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross have you believed on that have you have you really not have you attended church your whole life or you were raised in a Baptist church or raised in a Methodist church or whatever? Have you believed in what Jesus did on the cross? If you have, and you've publicly professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's changed you. And now his love, that's love. There's no amount of love that I can talk about. That's it. He's changed you and you're free. If you haven't, listen to me. The God of the Bible rejects sin. He rejects sin. So if your life, you have sinned, And fallen short of the glory of God. That means that you can't be made right in his eyes by your own efforts. If you have never professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're under his wrath. And you're going to be punished one day. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die and after that the judgment. We're all going to stand before God one day. If you're a follower of Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be rewarded for the work that you've done for him after you've been a follower of Christ. The good things that you've done for the kingdom. You're going to be rewarded. Why? Because your sin's not counted against you. Because Jesus already paid for it. If you're not a follower of Christ, when you take your last breath on this earth, you're going to stand before Him. And you're going to be held accountable for your sin. He's going to say, why did you lie? Why'd you steal? Why'd you break my law? You did those things and you deserve a punishment. Would we all agree that sin deserves a punishment? If someone commits a crime, we send them before the judge. Not for the judge to say, oh, I mean, I know you didn't mean to kill that person. Go ahead and go home and be happy. No, we demand, society says, that guy needs to be punished. Put him away. We have laws that say that. Well, God's law demands the same thing. That there's a punishment for sin. Here's the love, as I close with this. Here's the love. That God was willing to take my punishment. That he was willing to take your punishment. That is amazing, amazing love. There's a song we sang a couple weeks ago, right, called Amazing Love. How could it be that you, my king, would die for me? That is amazing that he would do that. If you've never believed on that, I can't tell you today anymore Then there is going to be a time when you have an appointment before God. I'm not trying to scare you. It's just the truth. One day, you're going to take your last breath. I believe with all my heart, that could be today. It could be today for me. We don't know. We don't know. Are you ready to stand before God? If you're not, you know what you have to do? Get down on your knees and humbly admit before God you've sinned against him and put your faith and trust in what he did on the cross. Now listen, guys, I I called you guys up here just too early. I'm sorry. Listen, if if I really love people, listen, if I really, really love people, that's what I'm going to tell them. That's the message I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them that they're under God's wrath. And they're going, to be, they're going to receive a punishment one day. An eternal separation from God. If I really love people, that's what I'm going to tell them. If I don't love people, I'm going to pat them on the back and say, Oh, just keep doing what you want to do. Live a good life. And they're going to stand before God one day and say, Why didn't Jeff tell me? Why, how can we be friends for so long and he never told me the truth? Why did he never tell me? I'm, parents, would you want your children to stand before God one day and say, my parents never told me about Jesus? Why didn't anyone ever share the truth with me about Jesus? Like, I'm serious. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying we need to be a church here that's evangelistic. We need to share the gospel with people. That's the most important thing. We want society to change out there. Share the gospel with people. That's the truth. I'm asking you to stand this morning. Maybe you're here today and you, you need to come and join this body of believers. Make make that profession. Hey, I need to be a part of this church and in membership. That's important. If you have questions about baptism, you can come and pray. Whatever it is, let's pray and then they're going to sing. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning for the opportunity to talk about your great love it's so misunderstood and so misquoted God but it is real and you loved us so much that you died for us and can't even fathom that I can't even in my mind wrap my mind around why you die for somebody like me man it's amazing love and so Lord I thank you for that I worship you for that this morning and I pray Lord that these words have gone out this morning and your words been taught and I pray that for somebody that's not saved that today would be the day I pray that we're a church that's evangelistic, that shares the truth with everybody that we talk to. Lord, there's going to be people that don't like us because of that. That's okay. That's okay. We have a responsibility as followers of yours, Lord, to share the truth. So give us boldness. Give us boldness as a body to share the truth with our children, with our loved ones, with our families, with our coworkers, with people that we don't even know and don't know. Just because we care about people and we want to love people like you did. You healed ten of them even though you knew that only one was going to return to worship you. That is our example, that we share the truth, even if they're going to hate us for it. God, we love you, and in all things we worship you. In your name I pray, Amen. amen. What you're singing the guy who wrote this song He lost everything in the chicago fires in the 1900s everything made him go bankrupt They were going to england. He had put his wife His follower of christ put his wife and his daughters on a boat to cross the sea to go to england The boat sunk and his daughters drowned And as he was traveling to england to meet his wife. He wrote this There's some context for you Thank you, guys. Billy, come on up here. You can give him a hand. That's a good song. I like it. All right, I want you to come around and congratulate this young man. Um, it, it, we're, I'm excited to get to, we're going to baptize him at the end of the month. You know, with that song and, and thinking about the context, you can stand right here because they're going to be coming up here and shaking your hand and hugging you and all that good stuff. So, in the context of that song, uh, there's no way that you could write something like that unless you were a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my benediction today, I didn't know they were going to sing that. Here's the benediction, and and this is how you can do this. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's you know, an eternal focus to go through what he went through and be able to write that, write that for us to sing hundreds of years later to, and worship our Lord. Listen, when it's well with your soul, it doesn't matter the surroundings, what happens around you. It doesn't matter what you go through or what you suffer, because it's, it's well with your soul. Because you know that to be absent from the body for a follower is to be present with the Lord. That's amazing. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for today. That we could come together, Lord, to worship you in corporate worship today. And uh, Lord, just be with us as we leave here. And, and Lord, we go into the world that we are sharing the truth of who you are. That you are love. You are love. And you did the ultimate thing by dying for us. That is the ultimate amount of love that we can show. And the Lord, we show love for others by sharing the truth of who you are. And loving people regardless of whether they reject or accept. We show love to people, God. But we also share the right message, Lord, that one day your wrath on sin is going to be poured out. And, Lord, I I pray that we are bold in in sharing that message and, Lord, uh, that people in our community will be saved. Lord, I'm thankful for Billy this morning coming and making this public profession of faith. Uh, Lord, bless him uh, at our church and his service here that we can be there for him and help him. Lord, bring us back here Wednesday night to study, to fellowship, And in all things, God, we worship you and praise you. In your name I pray, amen.